We're going to jump into our scripture this morning. We're coming from 2 Peter. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there this morning. And if, if you don't have a Bible and need a Bible, we have Bibles available for you. We still have a stack there and a stack in the back. And we want to make sure everybody's got one because Peter has been telling us how critical it is for us to know the truth. Last week, we saw that, that he warned us that, the, that, that God through Peter was warning us that there will come people into the church, not from outside the church, but from within the church. They will be among us. They'll even sit at our covered dish meals. They will be in our services, in our sanctuary, and they will come and they will not tell the truth. They will, in fact, bring falsehoods. They'll bring lies. And so the Lord went to great lengths last week in chapter two, showing us that, hey, God will deal with people who tell lies to his church. And he goes back in history and says, Look at how God brought judgment on angels. Look how he brought it to Sodom and Gomorrah. Look how he brought it with the flood. He will bring judgment, but also he will come into his people, the righteous, and he will save them. So last week we saw that there there. You got to make sure you're looking at the truth and you got to remember that God's going to save you. And all this is leading up to, as you can see on the slide here, it says, ready, he's coming. Jesus is coming. And so Peter has spent basically two chapters saying, here's the truth. God gave it through his prophets and apostles in the scriptures. You can bank on that. God is good to his promises. Now, other people are going to lie to you, and you've got to know the difference. Stick to the scriptures. So now that he's set up for two chapters saying, make sure you know the truth, now he's going to swing into the main point. Here's the truth. He's coming. He's coming. So that's where we are at in chapter 3. Peter says this in chapter 3, verse 1. This now is the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. So he begins here by saying, hey, I love you. And this is why that's the second time I'm, 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 I'm writing you. Now, how many of you, when you were kids, your mom would tell you something the second time and you were like, mom, you don't have to nag. Okay, but why did your mom say that? Because she loves you. And so Peter says, hey, this is the second letter i'm writing to you i'm not trying to nag you i love you you're my beloved and so here here what i'm doing is i'm trying to stir up and he says your sincere or your earnest or your pure mind i'm trying to get you to good, think good thoughts not those good thoughts where people are just like thinking fluffy things i want to direct you to the truth i want to make sure your mind is on task because uh raise your hand if you'll admit this that sometimes your mind gets off onto the wrong task raise your hand if you're willing to say that yeah um, that's why when you're driving and you should be paying attention to the road, you're off thinking about something else and miles and miles go by before suddenly you're like, oh man, I need to think about the road. Uh, that's why some of us think about, we talked about video games, video games too much. That's why some of us think about work too much. That's why some of us um, think about our fears and our doubts too much. And so Peter's saying, hey, all those things, stop thinking about the, the wrong things. I, I need your pure mind. I need your undivided attention that's going to think about the right things now. I need you to pay attention. I'm, I'm speaking to your pure mind. And so he's, he's stirring that up. He, he, he needs to give us the truth because these things need to be at the forefront. What is he talking about? He goes on here in verse 2 and says that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. So it's interesting. That's an interesting phrase. Your apostles. Apostles means sent ones, which means people were sent to you. There's people who came to you and gave you the truth, he tells them. Peter was one of them, others apostles who had been given the truth from Jesus. And he goes on and says this uh, in there. He said to remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord. So he goes back to saying, hey, look, 
We have the scriptures. We have people that are telling the truth. You need to remember what they've told you, that these things are going to happen. I don't know if you're like me, but, um, but I have a terrible memory. Anybody willing to admit that you've got a terrible memory and maybe it's getting worse and worse with every birthday? But I don't have a good one. And so there's oftentimes Katie will tell me something at nighttime. She'll say, hey, tomorrow you need to make sure that you call so-and-so or you need to make sure that, that you pay this bill or you need, you need to make sure that you do this. And you know what? If I was just to say, yeah, I got it and go to sleep, guess what? In the morning, I don't got it. Okay, I'm one of those people like if I'm going to remember, I got to write that sucker down. So what I'll do is they, they came up with this great invention called post-it notes. Anybody have post-it notes? I got post-it notes. And so the best thing for me is if Katie reminds me of something, I write it down. I take that post-it note and I go and stick it right on the mirror in the bathroom. Right, because every day in the morning, I'm going to be brushing my teeth. What I'm going to be doing, I'm going to be looking at that thing that I got to do. I posted that note so I can remember. And, and Peter's saying, hey, you've got to remember the things that are written. You've got to put it right in front of your face to remember that God predicted these things. He gave his commandments and he's sent people to you. Remember what God has been telling you. You know what my mom used to do? Particularly when she was going through trials. And my mom's been through some hard stuff where God doesn't always give you the clear answer of why. Some of you can raise your hands on that one, too. And during those times, as she would go through her scripture reading, the Lord would give her a verse or two, a verse that spoke directly at that crisis or that 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 thing that she was trying to think about so much that she she was being taken off of Christ. And so the Lord would give her a scripture and she would take that scripture. And instead of a post note, she would take that scripture and she put it right on the mirror in her bathroom. And so every morning when my mom is brushing her teeth, she's reading the scripture it deals with the issue that's going on in her life. And every night, again, when she's brushing her teeth before bed, she's looking at the scripture that deals with the problem that's in her life. So day by day by day, she's being stirred up by reminder about the Lord's promises, about his commandments, about what he desires for her to be thinking about. It's not a post-it note about tasks. They are post-it notes about Jesus. They're post-it notes of truth that she can stick on her mirror. And so now what's great is this. If you went into her bathroom and I... If you go sneaking around my mom's bathroom, you're in trouble, okay? She's going to be like, why are you in here? Jason told me. No, I'm not telling you to go do that, but I'm going to tell you. If you were to go in there, you would see on her bathroom mirror, there is just a, a lineup of, of scripture cards where my mom can go in now, and as she's curling her hair, brushing her teeth, she looks at those things, and she remembers what she went through. But she's looking at a passage that reminded her of how God was how good God was in the midst of those issues. And so now when she goes in, she looks at those things, not like they're nagging her, but like they're saying, look how the Lord was good in the midst of that crisis. Look how when the world around you just wanted you to kick God to the curb, they wanted you to think that you weren't worth something. They wanted you to think that you were just meant to be miserable, that God had something important for your life. And even though it was a tragic situation, God stuck it out with you and you can always bank on him. And so now those have transferred from a mirror into her heart. She's being stirred up. Day by, and now she can go share those with other people. And so, and so the, uh, that's what Peter's saying here. I'm, I'm going to stir you up. I don't, I don't want you to think that I'm nagging you. I want you to remember how good God has been to always tell you the truth. That he made these predictions. He's given you these commandments. And he's sent people to you so that you can know what's going to happen. And that he's come to rescue you. But here's the thing about predictions. People make predictions all the time. Oh, yeah, the stock market, 
It's going to go up. You better buy it. Right? People are making predictions all the time. Oh, this team? Yeah, they're going to win the Super Bowl. You can go play some money in Vegas on that one. And people are making predictions all the time. And so when Jesus comes and makes predictions, and then we as his people stand up and make predictions, there's always going to be scoffers, right? There's always going to become people who say, you know what, the stock market's not going to do that. That team's not going to win the Super Bowl. That Jesus, he's not coming back for you. And so here it goes on and says this, knowing, first of all, verse 3, knowing, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own desires. They will say, where's the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. So here we have Jesus who has died, resurrected, and gone back to heaven. He said, I'm coming back for you. And here's Peter saying, hey, the Lord says he's coming back for you. But he says, count on this. First of all, there are going to come people who are going to scoff at you. That means they're going to mock you. They're going to laugh at you. They're going to make fun of you. They're going to tell you you're ridiculous. Because they'll say, well, where is he? If he promised to come, why is he taking so long? And we can stand here 2,000 years after Peter, and people are still saying that. Every, hey, now you've got 2,000 years on the clock. He's not coming. And they mock and they laugh. And Peter says, they'll say, hey, day by day, everything's going on the same as it ever has since the beginning of creation. So this Jesus of yours that you think is going to save you, he doesn't care about you. There is no Jesus, some will say. And a man I was talking to recently, mocking me about Jesus. And he went to the point of saying this, hey, you know what? If you look at it really, Jesus and Luke Skywalker, you know who Luke Skywalker is. He's the, the Jedi from Star Wars, has the lightsaber, goes around flying spaceships, tries to save the princess. This man said, you know what? Essentially, Jesus and Luke Skywalker are exactly the same. And even though it was meant in like a, hey, it's a playful, it was somebody taking a dagger and just going, <clears throat> your faith is nothing more than like Hollywood, was what he was saying. Went on to say, hey, a, a, a guy did a study on heroes. Heroes tend to have a, a bank of 15 characteristics. And he said, you know what? Jesus checks out on 13 of those 15 characteristics, one like a miraculous birth, one like uh, something to do with outer space. I mean, there was all kinds of weird characteristics. He said, Jesus got 13 of 15. So he's not a savior. He's merely a superhero whereby you could just go read a story and believe in him. But guess what, buddy? He is not coming back and he doesn't love you and he never died on a cross and never rose from the dead. So stop wasting your time. And Peter said this, that the people will mock you because why? According to their own sinful desires. You know why people don't want to believe in Jesus and a Savior who resurrected and is coming back for them? Because they don't want to be accountable to him. It's because they don't want somebody to tell them what to do. That has been the problem ever since the beginning when Adam and Eve stood there and said, I don't want God to tell me I can't eat that fruit. I will take it for myself and I will be like him knowing good and evil. And so when people say, hey, he's not coming back, what they're saying is, I don't want to be accountable to the judge coming back. What I'd like to do today is whatever I want to do today. I will be my hero. 
And so as simple as equating Jesus with Luke Skywalker is, it was a mockery of Jesus. It was scoffing at the faith of of a Christian saying, I believe that there's a, a God who loves me so much. He's coming back for me. He's going to rescue me. And there's a whole lot else that's going to go on at the end. He goes on and says this about these people in verse five. He says, for for they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. So let's break down what he just said there. He kind of went through a few things and it's hard to get twisted. What he said was this, what they deliberately and intentionally with their minds, instead of being pure and knowing the truth, they deliberately neglect to remember the fact that God spoke. And in that early creation account, it says that out of this, this formless and void water planet, he began to create land and separate it and separate the sky. But he, he spoke it out of his word. Let there be light. Let there be this. Let there be that. And he formed it by his word through water. If you go look at that Genesis chapter one, it was through water. And then he goes on and says this. Well, then if you go look at the flood account, God, by his word, condemned those people and said, I am going to bring a flood. And he commanded Noah to build the ark. He commanded the animals to come in. He commanded the rain to come. And God, through water, then judged and destroyed those people. And so the God who, by his word and through water, created the earth, and the God who, by his word and through water, then judged the earth and the flood, that same God, by his word, is holding back. He is holding back the day which he will come and he will destroy his enemies. And here it said, this time it's not going to be water. Because why? The rainbow over the sky with Noah said this, I will never flood and destroy the earth by water again. Because in the day that's coming, he is not going to preserve this world anymore. He's not going to recycle it. You know what he's going to do? Absolutely obliterate it. This says it's going to be by fire. The scriptures say that God is going to come and he's going to melt away the heavens and the earth. That the things that you and I see on this planet that we look up into the sky and see, they will be no more. They are going to obey the word of God. They are going to flee and turn to blood and they are going to be crushed and be burnt. Because you know why? Jesus has something better. Jesus has this world where he comes back and he rescues his people and he delivers us, he says, into a new heaven and a new earth to live forever with him where there will be no more crying, pain, suffering, death. And that's his promise. He is coming back. And so what this means for us is Peter says on You need to remember this. Remember, he said he was doing this to stir up our mind that that on a daily basis, we would be whether we saw it on a post-it note or we're reading it in the scripture that we were reminded that Jesus is coming back. But the same one who 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 created the word uh, world by his word, 
that, that, that flooded the world, that he said by his word and by his prophets, by his scriptures, he's predicted that he is coming back again. You know why? We need him to. There's this little problem that we have called death. Death came through sin. And we need Jesus. We need him today as we stand before him. We say, Lord, I confess my sin. And he comes and he, he lives us. He wipes our sins clean. And then we get to be God's dwelling place. It was spoken of in our prayer list. We're thankful for this sanctuary that we have. It's a beautiful place. It's got lighting. It's got air conditioning. Praise God. And you know what this is? This is a, a building. A sanctuary means it's set apart for the worship of God. What's better than that is that there are sanctuaries that actually come into this building. Do you know that the Lord created you, that, that you needed him to create you into a space? Your, your heart was not a space whereby God could be worshipped. It was full of sin. It was full of selfishness. It was full of everything that the mockers and the scoffers do. You were full of that in your heart. It was not a prepared place for God to dwell. But when Jesus saved you, when he came and forgave your sin, he then took your heart and he, he gives you a new heart, one that's a sanctuary. He says that, that you and you together as a people, you are now his temple. You are the sanctuary. And you may not come with air conditioning, but you know what you come with now? No sin. You are now a perfect place for God to live and to dwell and to live through. And could you imagine God coming and living in that sanctuary of your heart? And you beginning to doubt his return. That's like going around this sanctuary that we have here. And here we have the truth, but instead we go around on the walls and we begin writing things that are untrue. Jesus doesn't love me. Jesus doesn't always tell me the truth. Jesus didn't, he forgave most of my sin, but not that big, bad, ugly one that's in the closet. If we went around this sanctuary, we begin to write all that filth on the wall. Would it look like a place where God could dwell? No. But you know that happens in our hearts. So Peter says, dwell on this. Let this clean you up. Erase all that garbage that you want the world, that the, that the world is trying to get into your heart. And, and, and write what's pure, write, write what's true. Preach what is good from the prophets, from the apostles, from the command of the Lord. You know what impresses me so much about those early Christians, especially the ones that were writing the scriptures? They talked big theological words. They talked the gospel and salvation, all these things. But you know what they talked about a whole lot? Jesus coming back. All that other stuff propelled them to that day when they said, Oh man, I cannot wait for his coming. I can't wait till all the people of God that were to stand there. We will adore him on his return. He's going to be worth it. And so they write about how on a daily basis you need him now. You're not just needing him one day future. You need him now. All that filth that's written around the sanctuary of heart. You need him now to come and wipe that away. All that other stuff that's starting to cloud your vision. You need him to come and give you his vision back. You need him now. And so Peter's trying to make a point. I'm not trying to nag here. I just love you too much to get caught up in what the world is doing. 
They're trying to do their own thing. They want to mock Jesus. But that's not what we do. The bride of Christ continually says, I need you. I don't want to take my eyes off you. I want to learn more about you. I want to, I want to post you day by day, Jesus, in front of my face so I can see you in your goodness. I don't know about you, but I don't want to believe in some hokey superhero running around in tights. I should have more than one amen on that one. I want to believe in a God who loves me. And he went to the absolute supreme darkest place and gave himself for me so that I could live not alone, but I could live with him for eternity. I need him. That's the hero I want. Not because of some professor's criteria, but because he simply is that heroic. I need him. So today as we close, as you experience that in your own life, as you recognize just that need for Jesus constantly, that's when we come and we just kind of lay down our, ourselves before him and we just kind of say, I need you. We have in our midst today a, a young man. We recognize that's kind of his constant way of life. He's, oh, what, about a month old? And he constantly sits in his parents' arms, little Nathaniel does. He needs them. And he, he loves to be there and to be cradled and held and to know that that's where he's going to get his sustenance. That's where he's going to get his comfort. That's where he's going to be held and, and there's going to be safety. And when we come and we sing these songs at the end, that's like us saying, Lord, take me into your arms. That's where I need to be. We're just little children that need to be scooped up by God and sustained in the same way that little Nathaniel does. So I'm going to invite you at this time. We're going to close in a couple songs. And these songs are just speaking out and remembering that we need Jesus today. And we're expecting him to come in the future. And at any time while we're singing, if you want to come down and pray and just, just be that baby coming into Jesus' arms and, and pray here, you're welcome to. And I invite friends and deacons, if you see somebody coming up here um, who needs somebody to pray with them, then you come pray with them. And we go to the Lord together and we say, Lord, I need you today. Come and heal my heart. And keep my eyes focused on you. Let's stand and sing together if you're able to. I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can be. I need Thee, oh, I need Thee, every hour I need Thee, oh, bless me now, my Savior, I come to Thee. I need Thee every hour, stay Thou near. When thou art nigh, I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee, 
In your light I will find all I need, all I need is you. Light, glorious light, I will go where you shine. Break the dawn, crack the skies, make the way bright before me. In your light I will find all I need, all I need is you. Oh, how I need 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 you. Our God and Father, we call upon your name today because you've told us we can. Like little children, we can come and cry out to you. We need you. We can come and we can give you all of our questions. We can come and we can give you all of our needs. But first of all, we come and we, we give to you all of our thanks.